is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For the second half of this conversation with Townsend Teague, we finish up the conversation on small business owners and producers and what it looks like to get their shows back up and running. In addition, he shares a little bit about the Teague Theatrical Group, his production company that took a pause during this pandemic. He's actually shaking up the traditional route in which everything is produced. So I hope you enjoy this second half with Townsend Teague. Enjoy. Yeah, that's thank you for thank you for expanding on that because there's <laughs> I feel like that's not really talked about <laughs> among um, you know, the majority of theater lovers. They don't understand all of this, so I appreciate you expanding. Thanks. I uh, and you know I do want to say that you had asked a question about like what do shows look like in the future? Um, of course, people are talking about productions that are um, smaller. Um, that's not good news for the worker, for the employee, um, in the Broadway industry. Um, I want to say that if we have mass vaccination, that my hope would be that that becomes less of a concern because the company members can be around each other safely Mm -hmm. as can the audience. Um, and so I, I, uh, I, I would like to see that become less of a concern. That said, if you're a producer raising money for a production, um, you are absolutely within your rights to be thinking about um, how do I lower my expenses, right? And the expense conversation has been going on, I want to say forever. Um, it's always but a really, <laughs> you know, but really, I mean, since the 1970s, the expenses of Broadway shows have compounded um, enormously. Um, and it's a very, uh, I love the industry, um, but it's very fragmented, um, very tribal. Um, there are many, many unions. Um, there are, um, different ways of, uh, approaching the expenses and who gets paid and why. Um, and I think all of that is, um, uh, being looked at right now. Um, how do we bring our costs down? Because guess what? If I'm going to attract an investor to um, come and, and put some money on the line for a Broadway show, well, if the show is potentially at a greater risk because there are less people attending the theater, um, then I need to show that I am responding to that potential trend by reducing costs. And if unions will not allow a production to reduce uh, their rates um, and to uh, additionally um, change the, the, the definition of uh, how work hours are, um, are factored into weekly compensation, et cetera. And if a royalty pool, which is generally made up of say nine to 12 individuals um, won't back down from taking uh, collectively 12 to 18% of the gross box office or, you know, 36 to 42% of the weekly net adjusted box office or weekly operating profit, excuse me. Mm. Um, there's not a lot of money to, um, there's not a lot of cushion there um, for variances in audience attendance. Um, so, so what do you do if you can't control any of that? What do you do if the unions say, no, we're not going to give a 25% pay cut, um, even for a, you know, particular period of time. Um, and the agents that represent royalty holders say, no, we're not going to reduce their royalties. 
Um, as a producer, I believe you start to say, well, I have to make my production smaller. It's the, it's, it's one of the only things that, that the business itself can control. Yeah. Um, I would like to say clay, just to the audience that might be listening that with respect to collective bargaining and unions, I believe that the appropriate um, uh, language for us to be referencing and ultimately utilizing is that of the Broadway touring agreements. Um, Broadway theaters throughout the country have different sizes. They have very different ticket pricing um, than exists in New York City. Um, and as such, the unions have agreed upon what are called short engagement touring agreements um, or in the production contract, what are a level of tiers that recognize that the gross revenue potential in different cities is in fact different. And therefore the expenses need to reflect that. And thankfully there's this language that that um, is in place for touring shows to say, if our gross potential is X and our expenses are X and we have this many employees um, and there's some other factors, mm -hmm. then, th then the pay rate from the full production contract is reduced by a particular percent. Mm -hmm. Now, here is the trade-off that reduction allows the company to continue running, which we all need because that keeps us employed. Everybody. Yep. The trade-off is that when the show makes the operating profit, a, a percent of that profit is set aside for the employees. So the employees take a little bit less money. Um, however, um, any profit on a weekly basis is shared with the employees. And so if a show is doing well, it allows the employee to not only get potentially caught up to full production contract, but in some cases make more than they would in a production contract. Um, and equally important, if the show is not making a lot of money, it allows the business to keep going. And so what I believe Broadway should be looking to do between the unions and the Broadway league is saying, we've already agreed on this language for tours. We will enact it for Broadway shows. And the way that we will do that is the following. If we believe that capacity and or a combination of capacity and reduced ticket pricing is lowering the gross potential for Broadway shows, we will agree that pro rata across the board salaries and compensation will reduce by that rate. And as gross potential rises to return to pre-pandemic levels, so too will the salary and compensation rates. I believe that that is the, the best thing that we have in our wheelhouse today to move forward with. And in an absence of that, I really do fear for um, productions that are looking barrel of reopening with enormous operating expenses that um, will not be covered by um, the initial audiences, at least not for the first, you know, three to six months after Broadway reopens. It's another fantastic point you're bringing up. 
I think it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see who decides or who agrees rather with decisions that are made based on the given circumstances, you know, because we can't just go full on. We can't, you know, you can't just go full on everyone back, full house, everything, normal ticket prices, people show, don't worry about it. No, it, there's got to be some sort of uh, reintroduction. That's right. And I think to your point of who decides, I think we all have a responsibility to try to understand what the answer is to that question. Who decides um, for our benefit um, or lack thereof um, where, where this goes? Um, certainly there are elected leaders within the respective um, collective bargaining uh, parties. Um, and then there is also good old fashioned grassroots, um, you know, organizing that takes place generally from newer and, and mid-level career individuals um, that um, voice their opinions and dissents um, from, uh, from, you know, coming together to do that um, in the absence of being able to have an actual vote. Yeah. I, and with this in line with this, um, building a better Broadway mm -hmm. Teague theatrical group, I want to talk about this, uh, what this looks like for you, this creation. And of course, during this time, there was, you know, pause as a result. But what does that future look like for you in terms of taste, <laughs> taste and size of budget or even in types of stories? That, that's a great question. My um I know that you and I have talked about previously my um, my goal for really the, the the majority of my adult life of opening a fully operational production company, mm -hmm. um, which um, you know has now that has happened for me. Um, I uh, my my journey into this um, through the you know being an actor when I was uh, younger into my late teens and then switching over to the production side and taking a a, a long and purposeful journey um, of learning the the ins and outs of the business um, and um, I knew that eventually what I wanted to do was to take what I had learned and. Um, and apply it to a business of my own, a place where I could um, could create um, uh, and and build upon year over year, project over project, into a very meaningful company. And so, I had when I had left general management um, in 2017, I uh, began a process of exploring. Um, what, what might that company look like and why? What can I control? What can I not control? Um, I can control my ability to write a mission statement um, that has guiding principles and value systems as a starting point for myself um, that eventually um, is shared with um, the public on one hand, um, but um, I think very importantly for me, future employees of my company, um, not taking for granted ever that someone should assume uh, what I hope to achieve and why, and that it's my responsibility to articulate what I'm focused on, what my vision is, 
um, the mission of the company and kind of my overall philosophy about, about that. Mm. And building Teak Theatrical Group, I, uh, you know, I have to tell you, I'm a little bit embarrassed, but I went through lengthy exercises of trying to pick a name that was not my name, uh, did not involve my name. And I've got whiteboards um, with so many names. I've got, you know, all these different types of meanings and, uh, you know, looking at what's called like lexicology of um, how to uh, combine, you know, two words or multiple words into something that is new, unique and eventually becomes recognized as, as something. And um, boy, did I try. <laughs> and I think the primary drive for me, and regardless of my company being named Teague Theatrical Group, was that I want my company to live as a we statement and not an I statement. It's incredibly important to me that it is a place that recognizes its stakeholders. Um, that journey begins with employee number one, myself, um, and, and from there to my investors as stakeholders in the company and my relationship to them, um, to employees, um, and then from there into the community that we are working with um, and that the shows that we're putting in front of audiences. And so moving into what would Teak Theatrical Group become, I, I really wanted to think about like, well, you know, who are we in the sense that if someone is reading about Teak Theatrical Group, can they see a place for themselves in that company? Um, it was important to me that, that the company not be a place that is a, a Broadway producer that has maybe one or two staff members working with them that projects are um, driven by and publicity is around that producer themselves. Um, I believe that at this point, and I also know from just a, a pure joy level that um, I love facilitating and um, raising up other people. I feel uh, zero diminishment in myself um, in raising up others. I feel quite the opposite, which is I feel um, uh, as, as strong as I ever could be when I see people doing great things that um, I have been a part of. And mm -hmm. so really for me, I broke that into, on the one hand that involves uh, my staff and how I raise them up, um, how I ask them questions that, um, that maybe um, I would have liked to have been asked when I was um, uh, working under others. Um, it extends to creators that we work with in terms of really having it be a collaboration where it's not a business that's doing a work for hire with a creator, um, but really um, outside of the contractual relationship that we truly are collaborating, recognizing that the creative's contribution um, does not exist without the business counterpart um, to bring in um, all of the business model and the consumers that you know are built around um, getting as many eyeballs as possible into um, experiencing that creator's story. Yeah. Um, and then an extension from that is entrepreneurs. Um, I, uh, 
there's this word that's called, or this thing called vertical integration. Um, and I, I'll tell you that there, there are negative connotations with vertical integration with people who have stated that they wish to own and or control companies that vertically integrate with their own that um, are not responsible, ethical um, leaders. Um, that to me is not what I'm looking at um, whatsoever. What I look at is that there are many businesses, as you brought up earlier in this conversation, um, that supply goods and services, et cetera, um, to Broadway productions. Um, and in, in the very rare instance where there's an opportunity for a teak theatrical group to invest in um, a new company that will provide one of these uh, items, um, or to invest in or acquire an existing company um, and help bring them into what is the future of Broadway. Um, that's something that I'm very interested in. Mm. Um, and to be clear, the, the kind of entrepreneurs that I'm interested in are throwing themselves fully into what they're doing. Um, I, I will share with you that the number of people that reach out to me about ideas um, is pretty high. And what the advice I would give is bef before you reach out to myself or anyone, you know, similar to myself is to first know who you're talking to that we, if you're a small business owner like myself, you have gone through a very long, painful journey. Um, and, you know, you go through that pain because you, you have goals and you, you ultimately believe that it is worth all of the sacrifice. Um, but you're talking to someone who has not only taken the pay cut, but you know, had a side hustle to figure out how to make money so that they could quit their full-time job, which the obvious thing is that that's scary as, you know, it's super scary to do that. Um, from a financial perspective, but equally in a business like Broadway, when you quit your full-time job, people get really confused about what are they, how, do, why should they be interacting with you? What is it that you're providing? You know, I was at, um, at an event right after I had left, um, general management mm. and I had this kind of like interesting interaction that made me like pause in my tracks um, with a, a colleague who introduced me to someone that I had not met. And this colleague said, this is Townsend. I used to be terrified of him because as a general manager, he could make or break whether or not my company got to work on one of his shows. But now he's not in the business anymore, so I'm not afraid of him at all. And I, it was like a kick to the gut. Um, to be introduced as a person who was no longer in the business certainly was not how I felt, but I realized that I had a responsibility to communicate where I was headed and why, mm. um, because I never wanted to hear that again. Um, it, you know, at that point, after putting in 15 plus years full time into the industry to hear something like that. Um, honestly, was really painful for me. Um, and so 
going back to the entrepreneur to know that when you're talking to a person that's raising money to invest in other companies and shows as I am, that I've been through a journey that involves a lot of sacrifice and I recognize my counterparts. And so um, come with a deck, don't come with an idea. Um, have information to share, know who your competition is, um, know how to think out loud um, in response to questions around the particular part of the industry that you're hoping to get into. Um, and you know, be prepared to share what you've done so far. Um, because whether it's a venture capital company, a private equity company, or a smaller you know, outfit like myself, that's a production company investing in shows and businesses, um, we, we are not running those operations for that individual. We, we truthfully do become your collaborator um, and work alongside you. But ultimately, um, you've got to show that you're that you are um, doing what you're doing because you just can't do anything else, just like me. Right. <laughs> um, and then the last thing, Clay, is is community. Is that you know we're building the future that we want to live in. Um, I want to build. I, I want to be in a future that um, is positive that um, can measure our impact um, with our employees, with our stakeholders, with our community. Um, uh, I will say that a lot of those metrics um, are internal to our company in terms of how we measure ourselves and our own performance and how we hold ourselves accountable um, and in contractual relationships with folks that we do business with. Um, I stress the importance of, of having metrics in place so that we can not only measure our success, but have a conversation point for when we need to hold ourselves accountable um, about um, being better at what we do. Um, so that's, you know, the genesis of Teak Theatrical Group is saying, what does a modern production company look like? And what are some of the pitfalls um, that... Um, have surrounded uh, independent companies. Um, and so we have a different financial model um, than uh, any other independent company that I know of. Our, our financial model more reflects um, that of a larger organization. Mm. Um, the, the fundraising model around that financing really takes into account the investor first um, as a customer um, with respect to when capital flows into the company, how and when it is paid out to investors. Um, importantly, we are the only Broadway company that puts investors higher up in the capital returns in terms of their priority um, in the aggregate of all of the work that we do. Um, so my investors are not um, shareholders on a case-by-case -case basis of productions, but are in fact shareholders of the overall company. Um, and the company itself makes investments on behalf of, um, of our partners. Um, what does that do? Um, that allows us to have a central source where that central source um, is uh, the entity of record that is in a management position um, to direct um, where and why cash flows um, and how businesses operate that we either control or interact with. Um, that's very important to me. Um, 
And ultimately, it means that over time, we have a collection of, on the one hand, intellectual property and businesses that pay out fees, royalties, profits, et cetera, to a single source that, for instance, if we are investing in three to five um, of these entities per year, you know, 10 or 15 years from now, um, we have cash flow collection rights to upwards of, you know, 50, 60 entities um, that put the company not only in a very healthy cash flow position, um, but also as I've articulated to my investors, um, whether it's through bringing the company onto a market exchange, um, that being a private market exchange where they can convert um, their pro rata shares in the company into a stock that they own that they can sell if they want to leave the business um, and cash out, um, or that they can um, stick around um, and ride it out. The most important thing um, is liquidity, that it gives them the option to um, recognize that one of the biggest gripes that I hear understandably about investing in Broadway is that it is illiquid, um, that investors are not able to, if they invest in a show, that money is locked up and they can't get it back. Now, if it returns, and even if it's a healthy return, there are, are very few options for that investor to sell their stake in the company. And I've heard that, I recognize it. I know that there are other, you know, there are other vehicles. Um, I have to say that it's not dissimilar from other private business and other industries, the illiquid nature of investing in private business. Mm. But I'm prioritizing return on investment and I'm prioritizing that at some point, either through private market exchange or through an acquisition after we have enough entities under our belt, um, that it's a goal of mine to create liquidity for my investors. So it's important for me to think about that upfront, to articulate it to investors, but also to articulate it to my employees, um, whom I've set aside a portion of our profits as well to distribute among our staff, um, which is certainly something that I, I never um, participated in um, as a theatrical employee. Um, and I think that there's got to be a better way to um, increase income levels and to increase um, the, the ability to have residual income and windfall moments um, for people that are investing their lives into this business. So that's a big part of, um, of why we at Teak Theatrical Group exist. You know, you're bringing up such a good point about bringing stability to an unstable <laughs> career field. <laughs> and I think it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch the, um, well, basically watch you just turn the whole thing upside down. So I, uh, I appreciate you explaining all of this and adding on to, uh, <laughs> to the greatness that is life. And, and and Clay, we haven't even touched on, and I realize we're you know at an hour at this point, but we haven't even talked about media. We haven't even no. talked about streaming. No, we haven't. Um, and just you know, an important point is that on that is that as we've talked about tax credits, finally starting to realize some of the incentives that exist for film and television, that the world of live theater is becoming blended into larger media 
um, in a way that has never existed before. Oh yeah. And not only is that going to um, substantially alter the relationship between theater producers and creatives and uh, physical venue owners, um, but also with the general public um, out there. And I'd like to say that, and this might sound completely nuts, but a goal of mine for, for several years now um, is that in my lifetime, I want to see that a Broadway production can, on the one hand, bring in $10 million a week in gross box office and also pay out residual income to its employees in the same way that film and television does to the employees of film and television. Now, people usually look at me sideways when I say this, but I truly believe it's possible now because if there's a world where we can have 1,200 butts in seats at a physical venue paying Broadway prices, and then we can have an infinite number of people paying 15, 20, $25 to see a truly live show, not a captured, edited, and distributed show, but a truly live show, which accommodates some of the important parts that consumers tell us they want to see live because same book, but it's different every night. We can get to 10 million. Oh yeah. And and um, with Netflix, Amazon, et cetera, starting to get a little bit more serious about seeing the value of the live market, there's potentially a world where a Broadway actor who is not dissimilar from a star athlete whose body eventually will not allow them to go on, we can set up a scenario where that individual has a check in the mail after they can no longer perform on stage. That is a life goal of mine. I believe that I can achieve that goal. I've always said to my wife, one of the things I'm so jealous of with younger people in the industry is that I worked on so many cool shows. I've been in so many awesome moments. And what do I have to show for it? I have like a, a playbill and a spreadsheet with like a contact list, you know, because the goddamn iPhone wasn't invented when I was doing this. Um, <laughs> And, you know, there, there is now we've reached this ability where we can share, get information out, get our content in front of people. Um, and I do want to say that um, I will never be confused about the difference and the importance between live experience um, and uh, live experience through, uh, through a device. Right. Um, but you know what? It's not just about money. It's about accessibility. And there are a lot of people that cannot afford Broadway tickets. There are a lot of people that um, don't live close to theaters. Um, there are people that even if they're close to a theater, that theater venue does not accommodate um, a physical disability they may have, that they may not be able to get in the door, et cetera. And the awesome thing about expanding this model beyond what is a very controlled, almost monopolistic environment um, is that it opens up the types of stories that can be told. Because when you no longer need to appeal to the general public, it's so freeing because the artist that might speak to a very specific demographic, they can go ahead and do that and, and make that a viable business. And I love the idea of that. And I think that that's, that's, that's now, it's today, it's where we're headed in the future. 
Um, I think the theater owners know it. Um, I think that they'll figure out how to capitalize as best they can um, on that. And if it helps the whole industry boat rise, so be it. Um, and in addition to that, I'm excited to see what this generation and the generation coming up before us, um, you know, brings to the table that we haven't even thought of. Um, and Teak Theatrical Group and myself will be here ready to collaborate with you to help bring you into the community um, and, and, and to be your partner. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's the best version of work for me. I don't think there's anything else, at least for this part three. That was incredible. Well, I thank you. Well, well, I did want to say, Clay, before we get off that yeah. um, I, I'm incredibly proud of you. Um, you have worked through this pandemic and, you know, your podcast, I think the first time you had me on, I want to say I was like number 17. And I mean, where are you now? Like, what number is this? We're headed towards, we're almost at 200. Unbelievable. Yeah. And and you have you have rebranded in a way that your um, your uh, your key artwork for your logo is beautiful. It's professional. Um, the the sound quality. The um, uh, when I look at when you announce a new uh, a new podcast, whether it's on LinkedIn or Twitter, et cetera, that the artwork is um, is top notch. Um, and here you are, an a, an actor who is engaged to an actor, who is experiencing this pandemic um, that is affecting our sector in, in just such a challenging way. And you have not only, you know, here you are, but you have ramped up, you have re-envisioned. Um, and it's, it's awesome for me to, to see that taking place. Well, thank you. I believe you can do anything you put your mind to, anything. So I just love that. I love that you said that. Thank you. And I'm excited to see where we all head together. I mean, it is a community here. You know, humans are your best resource. So I think it's going to be very exciting to see what this future holds now that everything has been shaken up and people have been taken away from things that they would never leave. And now it's left them and now they have to do something else. So I think it's a it's a it's an interesting uh, shakeup of the tank or the snow globe, <laughs> so to speak. Indeed. We, you know, we recovered after the 1970s. We recovered after the 9/11, mm -hmm. um, and and we will do it again. Um, it might take a little bit longer this time, um, but the other side of this, um, it's going to be awesome. It really is. It really is. Is there anything else you want to add before we end it up here today? Wrap it up here today. I uh, oh boy, I mean, <laughs> what else? you know, I'll just, you know, I'll just keep talking. I know. So I know. <laughs> Kind of your job to shut me off. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, no. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Townsend. Thank you for taking this time. Thank you for being so open and, and sharing so much of a side of the industry that many people don't hear, especially in, I think, a lot of these entertainment podcasts. So I appreciate you, you know, helping bridge the gap between the what some would call boring stuff. <laughs> and it's not so, in fact, boring. It's really quite educational. So thank you. Listen, if you're interested in the boring stuff, reach out to me. I'd be, I'd be happy to chat with you because um, I think it's exciting. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Townsend Teague. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. 
Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 